Hey, yo, this is Usher, and you know I got soul. If I didn't, I wouldn't be in here. Yeah, man. Man, we have a lot of uh, questions for you about this documentary, the new music, the residency. We want to get into all of that. But, Usher, I got to ask first, because as as someone that's supported you for a long time, know, a long time now, I know you're someone who's very much in the moment uh, or looking ahead to the future. So what was it like putting this mini-doc together looking back at what you've done, sharing those experiences with everyone, and just, you know, being in that mind state. I think it was just as much of a journey as for me as it is for the people who are going to watch it because, you know, the history is probably is of my past. Of my past. Uh, and being able to just celebrate 25 years and what, you know, the moment was made of and what it really is about and how it really speaks to when you decide to do something that is passion-based or either you've been pushed into a corner or you kind of come back swimming, and that's a moment of definition. That's a moment that defines you as a person. So um, I guess I'm just eager to share this mini-doc with the world uh, in lieu of naming my biggest residency my way uh, that there's some parallel between how I'm doing things right now uh, and the energy that is around what I'm doing and, and the fact that it's very similar to the same energy as my way uh, 25 years ago. And we're coming up on the 25th anniversary of this monumental album in your career, obviously an R&B classic. Um, what are your lasting memories just looking back on creating that album? Like, what do you think of most looking back of your time working on it? Happy I didn't give up, man. Really happy that um, I, you know, kind of the the right support, the people who worked on the videos with me, people who worked on the wardrobe, people who worked on the songs, people who worked on the visuals and the ideas, uh, that would then create some sort of expectation to live up to. And uh, that's that's also too against the curse, right? Because once you have this expectation, then you feel like you need to overshoot uh, as you create going forward. But for me, this was a project that wasn't about expectation other than to make something that was raw, authentic, and incredible. And I think in between the release of this album and then many albums after it, 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 it created the expectation to be better than. And while I may have been, you know, different uh, on 8701 or Confessions or any of those other albums that will come, I don't think that the comparison is, is, is right because the first success is always the hardest one. The first time that you manage to make something that is unique and authentic to who you are, that's really the hardest thing to ever do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's so true. And what's really cool with this album, Usher, um, you got to work with Babyface, who, you know, that was one of the reasons why you signed up LaFace was to work with Babyface. You finally got to work with him, and not just as an, as an artist, but as a fan. What was it like for you to be in the studio with him, working on Bedtime and all those great songs? Super critical. I just wanted to impress him. You know, I wanted him to appreciate and, and like, and like, give me my props as a as a vocalist because I I did feel a little bit like he didn't know me. You know what I'm saying? We didn't spend we didn't spend a lot of time together, 
um, we weren't friends in that way. And when I was signed, I was signed more under the uh, guise of L.A. Reed's brother, Bryant Reed. So I didn't spend a lot of time with Face, but I didn't know if he liked me. I didn't know if he, you know, was rooting for me or not. I just wanted to impress him. And I think it's super cool to to see that, you know, you're still so tight with Jermaine Dupree, who had a big impact on this album. So can you talk a bit about the bond you guys formed um, during the creation of this album and how it's lasted still to this day? Yeah, absolutely, man. And and great that I did do that because uh, it became a long, you know, a long-term relationship that far exceeds just music. He's my brother. I'm happy I could be a part of his legacy and that he was a part of helping me define mine. Amazing. So, Usher, it's it's crazy to look back at this My Way album because it ends up, like you said, being the foundation to subsequent albums. I had a chance to talk to Dallas Austin as well as Tim and Bob, and they were playing some records that they did with you even before the My Way album. Like, I had no idea you did a version of Been Around the World by Bobby Brown, but, like, that... that that work that you did with JD and laying the foundation for future albums, like what do you think was the key element? Um, or when you think back, like what are some elements that you look at that makes you think back to that My Way album? Because I think for me, it was the storytelling that you and JD were able to put together, and that's kind of been the foundation to your career. I think it was really up to LA to put me around people who would spend the time and be selfless enough to help me tell my story. And I, I think that um, maybe I just had more time with uh, Jermaine than I did with Tim and Bob. With Dallas, I think we did spend time, and it just it just didn't gel. But there were some things that I did get out of uh, working with him. Um, it's funny because the first version of My Way uh, was created between myself and Tim and Bob. And uh, I just had this idea of a song called My Way. And we wrote around it, and I went after it. Um, but then I kept, I, was, I wasn't resolved. I felt like, yo, I got, I got to take another stab at it. So I went to JD, and I was like, I really want to write this song called My Way. And here's what I think it's about. And then we started going after it. I played him, you know, some of the ideas that I had been working on with other people. But I was like, I don't want it to be like those. I wanted to you know, have a little arrogance to it and just, but yet, like, show that, you know, this is my, it's my turn to do it my way. He was like, don't make it about you. Let's make it about um, a girl and a guy. And the fact that you're talking to his girl, like, and the fact that she she wants to do it your way, like, she likes it my way. I was like, that's a real brilliant approach. And J.D. always manages to find the best way to craft the ideas. It's like we're, you know, we're like poets working together on an incredible piece. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes the most prolific words that have ever been said may have been written by somebody else, but delivered by, you know, a different person. Rather it was, you know, the address to the union or the, uh, you know, speeches that we sometimes celebrate in our lives. Right? These, these words mean something. These melodies, they mean something more. Absolutely. And love the, the music you guys have created all these years. Um, but I want to ask you, you know, it's interesting, your debut album, you know, 
loved by R&B fans, but it, like it wasn't the same commercial success that your later albums did. But I almost feel like it's it's become an underappreciated gem. So I was wondering, what was your mindset after that debut? Maybe it didn't do the commercial numbers it was expected to. What was your debut? What was your mindset then coming into the My Way album? Did you feel any pressure or anything like that to perform, or what, what was what was the feeling like? If you live long enough, what you create will make its way back, and you'll have a resurgence. This is something that Jimmy uh, Terry Lewis and Jimmy Jam always taught me. Like, don't worry about it. You know, what you made. You know, what is the Usher song? A song that Usher sings. That's what he used to tell me, uh, Terry Lewis. So the fact that songs have resurgences or they they resurge in time is the result of the work that you put in. And as so long as it's authentic, it's real, people feel something from it and they feel like you really are tied to it, then it'll, it'll matter. Um, you know, for, for me, it, it was just about establishing myself as a writer being true and honest to who I was as an artist and being um, putting me in it so that it felt like it was my art, art, into, my art interpreted. I know that sounds very <laughs> what it is, but the idea yeah. of how you do that is a really hard thing because most of the time you're either trying to make something successful or trying to create something that people are going to really celebrate or or like that, you're thinking of those things. But really, the truth is, if you just think about making something that's real, that's real, that is in the moment, that speaks of the culture of the moment and where you really were at that time of life, more than likely other people are either experiencing the same thing or going through the same emotions or either are in the same vibe of what was going on in those years. You know what I'm saying? So the sound becomes specific to the time, no different than, you know, disco or, or you know, R and B when it was doo-wop. Everybody was doing that, so it's like, okay, everybody followed that. Well, hip hop and R and B was beginning to come together, and that was a, like this merge of, you know, uh, cadence that felt hip hop, but words that made you feel emotions, and also to the coolness of hip-hop that was a bit um, rebellious. So we managed to create new ideas around R&B songs or either ballads. Like, I feel like Nice and Slow was the, the new ballad. Like, this, this, is the, this is what a ballad is in this time. If it were about begging and crying on one bending knee, this was what it was to create a ballad in that time. Right, and and just watching it all fold, and you know, with this residency tour or residency now, Usher, with you being able to play hits from your entire career, we've seen R and B evolve, we've seen hip hop evolve, you know, we've seen you dibble and dabble into you know dance music as well. What's been the biggest surprise for you doing this residency and seeing all these fans come together to celebrate your whole career? The love and appreciation for the music. That's been the biggest surprise. Um, I mean, not that I'm shocked, because I think that when you decide to, you know, get off and give them incredible energy and put in the work and the sweat, then obviously people should react to it. But a big surprise, um, you know, really came. This is a result of where I think people were, period. Not even just based off of us putting together a show in Las Vegas, but you got to remember, man, we were in the middle of a pandemic. 
before, um, you know, this last residency before my way. So I was shocked, you know, and like up for the task of trying to create something that gave them a reason to want to come back again. It just so happens that it falls perfectly on the 25th anniversary of my way. So I decided to name uh, the Vegas residency my way um, because I just feel renewed. I feel like a new surge of energy and inspiration. And uh, I am. I'm shocked and excited about the fact that people are showing up the way that they are and that it's sold out everywhere and that people are just enjoying those older songs. I'm not even playing new songs. You know what I'm saying? I'm literally playing my classic records and able to, one, introduce my, um, you know, my older fans to the emotions and feelings that they had at that time and maybe even intrigue younger people to come and check me out and be inspired by what I'm doing uh, and have an experience that they might not necessarily have ever had or felt. And on, on that note, how do you balance the expectations of your fans? I mean, if you spend enough time on the Internet, you'll see all types of comments on Twitter and stuff. People, you know, want to make you just in the studio recording a new album or make you do a traditional tour so they can see you all over the world. How do you, how do you manage those expectations and keep all your fans happy? You don't. You keep yourself happy by doing what you love, and I think as a result of that, people either get where you are or eventually they hear about it and then they are interested in being where you are. Um, I think, you know, this is a, a precursor for something else that's incredible, that's going to be new music and a new energy that's about the next chapter of my life. But before I do that, I would love to get you primed so that you remember just what it is that I do differently than other artists and what makes me unique. And then I can give you some new music after that, you know? Yep, and Usher, we're really looking forward to this new music. Like, Beacocks and, and JD, they've been playing a bunch of records on Instagram Live, like that Believe record. We can't wait to hear that one when it comes out. Um, just Can you fill us in on what we can expect with this new album? I know it's still early, but I know you've been working on it for a couple of years now. Uh, yeah, there have been some conversations. Actually, we did a little listening thing where we we allowed people to hear a few songs. Um, I think, if anything, we've decided to take, take a few non-traditional approaches to uh, breaking records. I would have never thought that Tiny Desk would have been the way that I broke the remix version of Nice and Slow or My Way. Um, but I did these remixes with Ryan Carr that are going to be um, a, a reimagined version of those three songs, You Make Me Wanna, um, nice, uh, nice and Slow, and My Way. But again, just trying new non-traditional ways to do things um, like Tiny Desk or like breaking records for the first time, performing them. If you come to my concert, there's one moment during the night where I actually do sing a new song. Um, but I'm just, I'm living in the moment. You know what I'm saying? I'm literally, you know, yeah, I put together an entire performance in Las Vegas that is about the celebration of all of my songs throughout the year. But who's to tell, like, what's going to happen night to night? Who's going to come out? Rather, you know, in doing this month of September, you know, well, now that we don't have any more shows in September, but maybe during the month of October, if we're going to pay a little bit more tribute to 
some of the songs that we've done in the past are from my way. It's just no, it's just no telling. But I think the idea of new music and a new energy is all about creating something that feels fresh and doing things that are a bit out of the norm of how I would normally do them. So looking forward to it. And one last question for you, because I know we're almost out of time, Usher. Um, and I, I apologize in advance for this question, because we get asked it all the time, and there's no way to answer it. There's no fair way. But we always hear this debate of Confessions versus 8701, which is the better album. Man, we love both of those albums. Those are two of the greatest R&B albums of all time, in our opinion. But, I mean, is there any way you could answer that, which is the better album? So, so as we are debating, these two uh, younger gentlemen, uh, I think my way gets jealous because it's like picking a favorite child. So my 25-year-old <laughs> is a little mad at you for even asking. And, you know, my 23-year-old uh, and I think, well, what is it, my uh, 18-year-old now is like, well, what about me? I don't know, man. I think that there's no way to pick a, a favorite. I think all of them uniquely um, are intended for something. And, you know, right now I'm I'm just celebrating my way. Uh, 8701 is a classic album for R&B. Uh, Confessions was like, that was the moment for me to be realer than I've ever been on any album. That was the one that kind of like broke the mold and like tore down any, you know, veil of like, being this perfect person like nah i just showed you what it was to really be a man like in reflection you know of what his life has been and what choices he made and having to live with the dilemma of you know living with those so they are two different purposes based off of where i was in my life and the levels of maturity so i couldn't compare them you know what i'm saying fair enough but usher i gotta say just on that note, even here I stand, as I've gotten older, I can relate to that album way better now. And I, I thank you for putting Here I Stand together, too, because that needs to be in that conversation as well. See, that's what I'm saying. When when you're making music, right, it's best to just pay attention to where you are, because even if people don't get it now, maybe there'll be something that intrigues them to go down the road of just, like, listening to your catalog. And if they go back to your albums, they'll find something. They're like, man, this is a really great song. And it's it's applicable to where I am in my life. So as I've, like, used music as my diary, I go back to my way. And that's where I was at 18. And that was some of what I think, you know, 18-year-olds were living and dealing with. Same thing with, you know, 8701 and Confessions. It was a result of what I was going through and where I was. And then leading up to Here I Stand, Raymond versus Raymond, these were all things that were really happening in my life and I was using my music uh, using my uh, music as a as a diary you know